0: So I'm sitting here with um, Laura Hassler, the founding director of Musicians Without Borders. Laura, welcome to Harris-Manchester and welcome to Oxford. Um, I wondered, um, for people who aren't familiar with the work of Musicians Without Borders, if you could um, begin by saying just a bit about your vision in founding the organisation. Sure.
1: Well, um, my own earlier background, I I grew up outside of New York and um, uh, I was active, both of my parents worked professionally for um, a peace organization, an international peace organization. They were heavily involved in the civil rights struggles in the southern part of the United States, especially, and uh, later in the work to try to end the Vietnam War and the American involvement Mm. in Southeast Asia. And I was very involved in that. And at the same time, uh, my passion was music, and I became a musician, or sort of a musician. I didn't actually study music, but I was always making music. And arranging music and uh, bringing groups together to mm-hmm. make music of various kinds. And uh, when I moved to the Netherlands, um, I uh, became—I went back into music. I did some studying at the conservatoire. I started working with singing groups. And um, one of my passions, also from that early um, connection to international peace work was what happens when um, people meet across cultures. Mm. And uh, so I was very interested in the Netherlands about uh, what was going on with a steadily more diversifying society um, with many people coming from different backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, also many musicians. Mm -hmm. And one of my musical passions, also because of that fascination of what happens when cultures meet, was the music the folk music of the Balkans? Right. So I had put together a small group of women to sing Balkan music, um, and uh, Dutch women, except for myself, and um, and and that was one of the things that 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 I loved doing. I, I I taught that kind of singing and worked with this group. We performed a lot, and um, then in the in the early nineties, you had this this horrible war in Bosnia. You had, well, first the, the, the other wars, the, the, the Balkan Wars. Yeah. Um, and somehow um, aware of this kind of contradiction that there you are singing and performing music from a region which is in Europe, only a couple hours' flight yeah. from where we were living, and yet these scenes of concentration camps and, and destroyed villages and refugees and mass murders... Um, it was it was unbearable, and but at that point I really wasn't in a position to do anything about it. Or sometimes things happen at a moment and not in another moment. And um, then the the Bosnian War ended, um, and I was also very frustrated in that period at seeing how that process went and how uh, the so-called international community seemed to be helpless and. Mm. unable to come up with any ways of stopping this horrible violence. Yeah. And then four years later came the Kosovo War, 1999. And it was a repeat, or it seemed like a repeat. The same kinds of scenes, the same kind of... And um, actually I was asked to perform a, a Second World War Memorial concert. And because... Um, I mean, I was also directing a chamber choir. We could have done a Mozart Requiem, but because of the Kosovo War and, and the... the um, the the urgency and the pathos of those images that we were seeing every day, I decided to do a concert of songs from the Balkans and to put the music of now warring groups next to each other and to show in some ways that people sing the same songs, sing about the same things. And and the normal people are the ones that always get caught in the crossfires. And, um, and after that concert we were we were talking with a group of musicians. We were all very moved. The audience was all very moved and um and one of the musicians said, "This was so powerful. We should take this concert and put it on a train and send it to Kosovo and That was a kind of a spark. Yeah. um so I got back in touch with the peace organization that I knew that I knew was also doing things in in the Balkans and said, "Hey, wouldn't it be interesting to see whether um we could?" We could contribute a musical piece to your work for Reconciliation in the Balkans at this point. So that was sort of how it started. And then it was, you know, sort of we had no money. We had only this idea and our own experience of connecting cultures through music within the Netherlands, where I'd worked Mm. with a multicultural women's choir and Mm. set up a world music school and Mm. knew many people, musicians from different cultures. And, you know, we, we had a very vibrant kind of multicultural musical community. And, um, and, and everybody that I talked to of those musicians all said, yes, we'll do it. That's and amazing. So we were, you know, and we got, we got a, you know, a, a table and a computer to, to borrow and, yes. and a telephone to use and a little advice from the peace organization. So, you know, and all of these or several of these musicians or choir members or so uh, said, well, I can volunteer on Monday. Well, I can come in on Tuesday morning. Well, I can help with this. Well, I know somebody who's involved. That's how it started. And um, and the the, the 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 vision was really um, on the one hand the the, um, the frustration and and critical my very critical view of the ways in which power politics tries to deal with this kind of conflict, um, and on the other hand, being a musician and having experienced the, the ways in which music can connect people across. Cultures, um, and and also the persuasion that everywhere there must be musicians who, in the first place, would identify themselves as musicians rather than their ethnic or their national identity. And we were sure that we could find musicians in the
0: Balkans who would join. And that was also how it started finding those musicians. So I find that enormously poignant, actually, in a way that something that starts with a horrible war in Vietnam and then goes through. I mean, the legacy of your parents. And then going through the Balkans in the early 90s, um, Kosovo, and now you do work in so many different more um, conflict areas. I mean, it's horrible in a sense that you know these wars keep on happening, but it's also wonderful in the sense that music does seem to sort of reach across um, and, and and speak to people um, in, in all kinds of ways. Um, so my next question is: how how you see music as playing a role in post-conflict um commemoration? Um, specifically, and whether you think music can influence the ways in which communities respond to the atrocities of the past, um, I I do, and uh, and I
1: don't. I, I, that is, I think that it depends very much. I think that that uh, reconciliation and commemoration, reconciliation is a very complicated process, mm. and and. Um, dealing with the uh, post-conflict situations and the pain and the loss that people have suffered is always a very complicated and many-layered thing, and I think in the first place belongs to those people and not to outsiders. Um, I think that sometimes people from outside the conflict, um, when they can find ways, when there are other ways of connecting with people who have been inside the conflict... Mm. Um, then as a mediator or a helper mm-hmm. um, may have a role and sometimes. Yeah. and the the project I want to talk about today in fact, I think we did have a role in that not in reconciling no. this group with that group, but in playing some kind of role for some people who were present at yeah. the musical events that we organized yeah. and um, you know I also believe that that um these, when you speak about this, of course, it's, it is very discouraging when you look at the big picture and the long picture. And at the same time, I think that there are more and more people who are involved in looking for nonviolent and non-conflict-based solutions to differences, yeah. and and that it's equally important to, to to look for those in the long term and also to remember people and and. To stand by people, to make sure that people have not been forgotten, yeah. who, who have gone through these things, and and to um, I, I was yeah, interested in the number of times that that uh, Jonathan Dove last night used the phrase giving voice or yes. um, or adding one's voice um, or allowing unheard voices to be heard, and I think that's very much the the, the, the one of the threads of our work is in, in um, it's it's not in being rescuers, it's in being allies, and finding the space to be allies through the commonality of music.
0: Yes, I think that's very well put. And when we were just starting the series, somebody said to me, before you can have reconstruction and reconciliation, you have to have recognition. And music is, I suppose, one way of, well, it's a way of giving voice. It's a way of recognising without rehearsing old arguments, I suppose, because you're using a different medium. Yes, So um, maybe you could tell us a bit about uh, musicians without borders um, work with youth communities, maybe particularly in Rwanda. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think music might achieve for a younger generation that other forms of memory work, it might be monumental work, museum work, texts, um, can't? And whether you think music, we can harness its um, potential as a kind of educational tool. Um, I
1: would say that the, the work that we do with with young people and the, the, the project in Rwanda is aimed at young people and also at children, and also most of our work in Palestine, for example, is also finally aimed at children. And in both places, we're working with um, youth and children who are among the most marginalized. In Rwanda, we're working with HIV-affected youth, and they then work with children in their own community. And actually, at this point... Um, The the young people themselves have taken over the role of trainers that we had at first. So we've been there, we've been involved in Rwanda since um, 2010 was the first sort of exploratory visit. And Mm -hmm. since 2012, we set up a program to train um, youth who are affected by HIV Um, Our partner organization is a medical organization that takes care of about 3,000 people with with HIV. Mm. And and the idea is to train them to become community music leaders so that they can work with children, also mostly HIV-affected children, um, in their own communities. So it's passing on skills. And it was very interesting because um, one thing that we noticed was that, at least for these young people, there was almost no knowledge or connection with their own musical traditions mm. that had basically died in that war and uh, or the genocide and so one of the things that we did was uh, was we found a way for them all to have music lessons at the local music school so what we do mostly is not to teach people how to make music we we teach people how to use musical tools to create a safe space where people can be cre- creative and discover Right. Their, themselves and, yeah. and their, their contact with those around them. Yeah. So it's to build social, uh, social spaces, trusting spaces, where people feel safe. And, um, and But none of these young people had any kind of musical training or musical background, so it was handy, and they all wanted to. So, so we arranged for them to be able to, all on the Monday afternoon, it was a group of about 25 young people, that they could all go to the music school all afternoon and take lessons in the instruments that they wanted, and we, we've, we found and, and purchased a set of traditional Rwandan uh, drums and then brought in some of the women from Ngomensha, which I'm not pronouncing correctly, so women's percussion group mm-hmm. um, that was set up after the genocide, to, to teach them. And we did a lot with songwriting, and then that's not songwriting, teaching a person to be a songwriter, that's re- writing a song together in a group. Right. There's a, there are yeah. techniques for doing that so that yeah. within an hour you can produce a song that is everybody's and then singing it and recording it. And so you, you get that kind of return on, on group process there. Um, what that's ha- done for, I think by this time we've trained about a hundred young people in the Kigali region and another 30 Burundians, in a refugee camp in eastern Rwanda, where about 50,000 Burundians are living in tents. And, um, the, and, and I think what, what we saw happen with many of those young people was that they went from being victims to being cultural leaders in their own communities and um and uh, so they are now in charge we also uh, the first time that i went um our uh, the uh, the trainer who had basically set this up my wonderful colleague danny feldstein and mccorry he i was surprised that he didn't only bring musical things he also brought a laptop to leave behind and a camera and in the evenings a couple of the, the the sort of more technical and organizational-minded young people were coming learning how to use Excel and learning how to use Skype and learning how to upload photos. So by now, now we're in 2018, a half a year ago, our then British project manager left, came back to the UK, and the entire program, including training training peers in these techniques, is now being run by that team. Okay. So there is a a, a a transformation, if you will. Yeah. Um, we're not we in this situation. We're not trying to be involved in anything called reconciliation. So sure. Sure. Um, it's not appropriate. I think it's it, it probably wouldn't be tolerated because there is an official approach to this question. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, the way I see music playing a role is in in helping to empower people who have been disempowered by what has happened to them and who have ended up on the fringes of a society. And I think when those fringes are not spoken to,
0: they become the seeds of the next conflict. Well, that's an amazing role to play, I think, that role of empowerment, and um, it's very heartwarming to hear about it. So thank you very much, and we'll look forward to hearing um, what you have to say later on this morning. Thank Thank you.